0: While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swinger high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe from a gal to Georgia. In the last years of the seventeen hundreds and the first years of the eighteen hundreds, the newly formed government of the United States faced a challenge that could end the entire American experiment. George Washington was president, and the problem was the significant debt that some states had incurred while fighting the American Revolution. A suggestion was made that the federal government assume that debt, and plans were made to pay it off. Washington himself traveled through parts of the country where local government officials assured him that a whiskey tax would be accepted by the good people of these United States and could be used to raise those badly needed funds. I often say on this podcast that very little has changed about this country since its founding, and here's possibly another example. The new new, new whiskey tax was beneficial to large corporations, but crippling to small businesses. The more a company produced, the less they had to pay in taxes. Large producers would start at 6 cents a gallon and move downward. Smaller distilleries couldn't get a break and usually paid 9 cents a gallon. Some producers refused to pay the tax and officials sent out to collect their due were assaulted or even sometimes tarred and feathered. Protests against this tax were nationwide, but mostly they centered on Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, it's known as the Whiskey Rebellion. Mobs burned homes of tax officials and attacked federal soldiers. There's a story that a gang reported to be of up to 6,000 men gathered near Pittsburgh and threatened to burn the place to the ground. But a quick delivery of several barrels of whiskey convinced the potential invaders to abandon their plans. Washington eventually gathered a federal militia of 12,000 men and prepared to put down the uprising, but by then the leaders of the rebellion were in hiding and the violence had stopped. Two men were arrested and convicted of treason, but Washington later pardoned both of them. Although the new government had withstood the test of violent dissent from within, the whiskey tax was still repealed in 1802. Although the story of the Whiskey Rebellion mostly centers on Pennsylvania, there is a long tradition of local Georgia entrepreneurs running their small businesses from basements, isolated woods, and mountains. This is a moving through Georgia extra, Moonshine. The term Moonshine comes from England, where any activity that takes place after dark was referred to as Moonshining. Moonshiners make it, bootleggers distribute it. Rum runners are bootleggers on boats. To make moonshine, and I'm going from a How Stuff Works article here, you only need four ingredients. Cornmeal, sugar, yeast, and lots of water. It could be another kind of grain like rye, or even extra sugar, or you could even use fruit to make like a rum-like concoction, but corn is the most commonly used. So we start in the woods, best near a creek or a spring. Our moonshiners grind the corn into cornmeal, and then they let it soak in the still in hot water, which under best circumstances would be made of copper. This is fermentation. Malt is added to convert the starch into sugar, and then yeast is added. Now the moonshiner has a still filled with warm mash, which is constantly heated and stirred. After a while we move from fermentation to distillation, and the fire is built up to get to about 175 degrees. You can use coal for this, or wood, or even propane. This will cause the alcohol to evaporate into steam, which then travels through a pipe leading out of the top of the still. The steam might also travel through another box on the way to capture pieces of mash. If you want seriously kicking whiskey, you would add some alcohol to this box to fortify the steam. The steam now moves through something called the worm, and that's that curly pipe you see coming out of a still on cartoons. Often the worm would have creek water passing over it, so the drop in temperature turns the steam back into liquid. That's your corn whiskey. It'll be clear. Brown whiskey gets its color as it ages in barrels. This stuff is right from the still to the sale. So, what's the problem with moonshine? Well, first, there's no quality control. There's stories all over of animals crawling into a vat of mash, dying and lying there for hours or days at a time. If the moonshiner doesn't know what they're doing, or might have a problem with the still, the liquor can be toxic. The underground illegal alcohol business is still a big business. I had a conversation with a bartender who worked in New York City. He told us that if you're drinking repeated shots of whiskey with your friends, you'll get the name brand for the first two and probably moonshine after that. Most people can't tell the difference at that point. Of course, there are legal outlets for strong clear whiskey. There's a big one in Pigeon Forge, pretty much in any tourist destination. They call themselves moonshiners, but let's face it, they're the TGI Fridays of moonshine. We visited the site of a still on Currahee Mountain. All that was left was the stone furnace foundation next to the creek. A writer named Harry Cruz tells the story of his father and a community of moonshiners in Bacon County in a book called Childhood, The Biography of a Place. It's a really good one, and you can get it for free at the Internet Archive. So I want to raise a glass of something legal and say thank you for listening. You guys are wonderful. We're up to about 2,700 listens, and if you have any questions, comments, complaints, Please get in touch with us at moving through Georgia at gmail.com. Everybody swing your honey, swinger high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand around the ring you go. A grand or right left walk on your heel and toe. From an a deputy gal to Georgia. That's all.